and going in obedience. And the, the verse before is, by faith, the Israelites marched around Jericho. Now, who heard of marching around the city as being a really good battle strategy? But in this time, that is what God told them to do. And Joshua had the wisdom to listen to God and not listen to his good common sense at that time. And it continues and it says, By an act of faith, Rahab, the Jericho harlot, welcomed the spies and escaped the destruction that came on those who refused to trust God. And I want to just read the story to you of the interchange and how come Rahab comes into the story here. Are you okay for us to read Bible a little bit? Is that all right? So I'm going to read in Joshua 2 from the New Living Translation. And it's not on the screen. You can listen to a story. Children like listening to stories, I'm sure. I trust that you do too, and it's even better than it's in the Bible. So the Bible says, Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove. He instructed them, Scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there the night. First of all, Goodness me, the people of God going to a house of a prostitute. But yet there's no, there's no um, hint of immorality occurring there. But they go to the house of a prostitute. How come? Okay. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, Bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, Yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they came from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. Actually, actually, <laughs> she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them behind, beneath bundles of flats she had laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's, men's, king's men left, the gate of Jericho was shut. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sion and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. 
For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Helped you. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not going to read on, but well, let me skip actually to verse 18. The, the spies respond to her and say, uh, they say before they left, the men told her, we will be bound by the oath we have taken only if we follow these instructions. When we come into the land, you must leave the scarlet rope. Note, scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down. Verse 21, I accept your terms, she replied, and she sent them on their way, immediately leaving the scarlet rope hanging from the window. There are so many things to pick up in here. First of all, do you notice Rahab, her whole identity is wrapped up in sin. Rahab was known as Rahab the prostitute. That is how she is known. It says they came, the, the people of the city, the king, came to Rahab the prostitute's house. She wasn't just Rahab. She was the prostitute. Was she maybe the chief prostitute in that place? And that city was a city that, that did not know God. It was the people revolved their lives around the worship of false idols, of false gods. They did not, they did not know this God of the Israelites. And, and Rahab was in that city, and in that city she was known as a sinner. Even though the city was a sinner. Sure. And yet, she believed the reports about this God of the Israelites. She believed them somehow. I want to ask how many of us here feel like we are Rahabs? That we feel like we are known for our sin. That when we go home maybe, go home where we're not studying or go home where we grew up, we are known because of the labels that have come. You're the one who steals. You're, you're the liar. You, you, you're the liar. You're the one who doesn't honor the parents. You're the one who sleeps around. You're easy to have a favor from. How many of us have this feeling? Wasn't <laughs> he loves the rain. 
loves us. Who are the people around us? Who are the redheads? Who are hearing the good reports that God is doing in your life? And they are longing for the salvation of God in their own lives. And all they see is darkness and blackness. And yet they are so longing for the light that you carry and the light that you carry. Or maybe right now you're just feeling like you're not carrying any light, you're just the red hat. And I want to say, reach out to God. Reach out to God like Rahab did. Rahab chose to hide those men. She chose to step out of her comfort space. And for so many who are operating in sin, it's because it's their safe space, it's their comfort space, it's their place of provision. Because they don't know where else to get food and money. And we, as the people of God, are so often throwing stones at people like that and criticizing and judging. And they are just saying, if I can just get close enough to you, if I can just invite you into my own, I can have some hope of this God of Israel. Because the God of Israel offers life and hope. Yeah. He brings the restoration and the breaking. He brings the freedom. He brings the pulling down of the city and the strongholds of darkness and, and, and where the idols and the gods have the hold and the sway of all the people. And Rahab reached out in her sin, in her sinfulness, for her to lie to the king was just another sin among many. And the Bible reports it. It doesn't say it was right that she lied. Maybe as I read the story, you might be like, oh, well, does the Bible say two things here? We should not lie in one place and now it's okay for Rahab to lie. No, the Bible simply reporting the story of what happened and how Rahab made a way, let's say, in her own place of sinfulness. God is a redeemer. He redeems the sins, even. He redeems the wrong ways we work. Yeah. <laughs> He's so much bigger than our religious mindsets. He's so much bigger. And God uses the sinful, wicked, dirty, yucky girl to bring the Israelites into their victory. And how does he do it? She didn't give major strategy. Joshua, in sending the spies in, he, he didn't get stuff from her as to how to break the 
the people of Israel because they were so battling to hear. They were so battling to hear the word of God for themselves. People of God, why did God need a sinful woman to speak the word of the Lord to the people of God? Because the people of God were too hard of hearing. They were not they were not believing God's word. Their faith from God's word was not enough. And after this, we are wanting to have some prophetic ministry. And I want to invite you to hear the word of the Lord. So that we don't need to hear the words from the unchurched and the pre-believers. God speaking to them to tell us stuff. She said, I know the Lord has given you this land. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror, for we have heard. They are hearing God. They are hearing God. And we so often are not, we are so afraid of what the unchurched and the pre-believers are thinking of us that we, we don't go and share the good news of what God has told us and share it with them. And she, all God used, well, there are two things that God did in sending the spies to Jericho and to Rahab. One was to encourage them Verse 23, verse 24, the two spies come back and say to Joshua, the Lord has given us the whole land because they said, they say, for all the people in the land are terrified of us. They got the revelation from the unchurch. And the second thing that God did in sending the spies to Rahab was to save Rahab. Because the outcome of this was what came next was that Joshua, when they had um, overcome, Joshua said to the spies, you must go in and save and get those people. Meanwhile, Joshua said to the two spies, keep your promise. Go to the prostitute's house and bring her out along with all her family. The men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, mother, brothers, and all the other relatives who were with her. They moved her whole family to a safe place near the camp of Israel. And Rahab loved her family. She loved her family enough that she risked her life. If the king had not had found those men, Rahab and her whole family would have died. But she risked. She believed God enough. And God used Rahab incredibly. Uh, she was part of the lineage of Jesus. Rahab was a dirty, rotten sinner. But yet God's redemption plan, the fact that she trusted in 
the scarlet thread, the scarlet rope that was put out of her window. And commentators as early, the very early centuries, noted the link between the scarlet rope that she put out of her window is the link of the salvation, the blood of Jesus Christ that he shed on the cross, that he died for our sins, and God guided the, the, um, the spies to tell Rahab to put a scarlet rope out her window, and that was her salvation, was that scarlet rope. And she didn't just say it. If she had got doubts, she would, and she hadn't put that scarlet rope in, that could have brought attention to it. It was a risk, but she hung that scarlet rope in her window, and because of that, her whole family were saved. And God cared for Rahab. He saw her faith in her heart. Even though she couldn't speak it, he saw the faith in her heart. And God used her in, in, in his lineage. You would think that God would select only the purest people to be in his lineage. But there is Rahab. Rahab married Salmon. And Salmon was the Salmon and Rahab were the parents of Boaz. And if you know your Bible, Boaz was married Ruth. And Ruth and Boaz had Jesse. And Jesse was the father of David. Give them the solution. 
Otherwise, they are left thinking that that they need to, to work their way to salvation themselves and be good enough. We need to help people to know that they are without, they cannot do it alone. And Rahab trusted God for her very life. She's trusted God for her very life. Now I want to come back to what happened? How come Rahab went from Rahab the sinner to being the mother and the person in the lineage of Jesus? I want to look now at Sarah, the face of Sarah. And Hebrews 11 verse 11 says, Sarah's faith embraced the miracle power to conceive even though she was barren and was past the age of childbearing. For the authority of her faith rested in the one who made the promise, and she tapped into this promise. Sarah tapped into this promise. And, and this is how the whole of faith paid Sarah. And I am bringing her in now Partly because she is a woman, was a woman of great faith. But partly because we need the Rahabs to connect with the Sarahs to become all that God called them to be. We need our hearts to, uh, to be reaching out for the Rahabs and be looking. Sarahs. Who of us that are here that have faith that is like Sarah, that embraces supernatural miracles, supernatural workings of God, that Sarah was regenerated. She had gone way past menopause, and God regenerated her body to be able to have a baby. And Abraham as well. And she embraced that. But that's not the original story of Sarah. And I'm wanting to speak to us Sarahs who are here, who have been believers for many years. And it's not just ladies, men. I'm not letting you off the hook. This is all of us can be Rahab or Sarahs. So what was Sarah like? In Genesis 18, if we go back to the raw, un-God-made-up un story, let's say. Um, Genesis 18 says, uh, verse 9, says, Where is your wife Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then the Lord said, so the, the context of this is two visitors come to, uh, to visit Abraham and Sarah, and they are actually... Uh, the Lord incarnate, and Abraham realized that they realizes that they are really important guests. Okay, and they uh, and so they Abraham and Sarah have Sarai have sorry they are Sarah by this stage have fed them, and then the visitor speaks to Abraham and gives a promise, and he asks, "Where is your wife Sarah?" They asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. There is the word of the Lord, the promise. 
Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind her. Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too old for the hard for the Lord? So the Lord is calling Sarah out. But what is he calling her out for? He's calling her out for her faith. He's going after her faith and saying, Come on, Sarah, believe. Believe. He can see, God knows that Sarah is disappointed that she's disillusioned and i'll speak more let me just finish the story and the lord says i will return to you at the appointed time next year and sarah will have a son sarah was afraid so what did she do she lied she, lied. she listened to the father of our the enemy the father of lies and she said to God, I did not laugh. But God said, yes, you did laugh. Even though maybe no one else saw it, I saw what you were doing in your heart. It says in some translation, she laughed inside of herself. And he said, yes, you did laugh. How many of us are laughing at the word of God to us today? How many of us are not valuing and not saying, Yes, Lord, okay, yes, Lord, you will show me how this comes. But the Lord said to Sarah, Yes, you did laugh. Why did Sarah laugh? That's my question. Why did Sarah laugh? I'm asking the, what's the Lord? Hey Sarah, why did you laugh? It's easy to judge others, Sarah's. But what's the context? How many of us are Sarah's here? They've been given the promise many years before. At least about 10 to 17 years before this, there was the promise, Abraham, Abraham, you are going to have descendants as many as the, as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. And she will have got so excited. Maybe it was soon, only recently that menopause happened. So maybe she was like, if she and Abraham, Abraham can really have lots of time together, she can, they can regenerate and the baby will come. Okay? No baby. No baby. The promise has been spoken. It's not coming. COVID has hit. My studies have failed. I've failed again. I'm not getting this accounting degree. I'm writing this for about the fifth time now. I, God, you said that I would 
graduate and I would have my own consultancy, but it's not coming through. Okay, God, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, switch off from you for a little while, and, and I'm gonna go and see how can I maybe get another degree because. Hey, I think I need to make a plan myself. God, you, you, I know you're the charge of what happens in our wombs, but this thing, I'm just disappointed. I'm disillusioned. It's just not coming. So what did Sarah do? Genesis 16, verse 1 and 2. We just back up a couple of chapters. It says, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. Full stop. No children. Yeah. Hey, there's something wrong with me. My faith is not strong enough. I haven't said enough male theories. God is not listening. But, she says in her mind, she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abraham, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go, sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. So in that time, this was equivalent of surrogacy. He was giving her a surrogate mother, basically. But she was offering an alternative solution. So she said, yes, God, I hear your promises, but maybe you're a little weak, Lord, to fulfill the promises yourself. I, you need some help from me. And, and after all, the promise was to you, Abraham. It wasn't to me, so maybe I can just, maybe God wanted me to make a plan on the side. That I don't need to trust you. And so, unfortunately, Abraham agreed with her. And he went in, and he slept with Hagar. And so burst the problem of the ages. Why? Because we, man, took matters into our own hands. We took self-control of our own plans and purposes to fulfill the word that God had spoken to us. God didn't say Hagar. He said, Abraham, God honors covenant. He honors the marriage bed. He said, Abraham. And previously in verse 17, um, in, in Genesis 17, God had said that he would bless Abraham. Um, uh, that he would bless Sarah and that it could be them. And so, what is in these words? Why did Sarah laugh in Genesis 18? Was it because she had made these mistakes? And the pain of having Hagar laugh at her and ridicule her because Hagar now had a child and she didn't. What was in those words? The Lord has kept me from having children. There was a lot of pain in those words. Can you hear it? There was the pain of hope deferred, making the heart sick. 
There was the pain of prayers not answered. There was the pain of arms that had never held her own child, but is seeing everyone else and is knowing that that's what's the promise. Can you see yourself with some of these pains, with some of the things? There was the pain of public shame. It was a shame not to be able to bear children. There was the pain of blaming God for one's problems. And this came through because of unbelief. And unbelief is a sin, but it also bears a pain in our hearts because it blocks us from being able to come to the very one who can heal us, that can bring the promise. That can bring the promise. And so she had taken matters into her own hands. And I believe she was very disillusioned. God had not answered her promises. Her own taking matters into her own hands had not answered the promises. And I want to submit to you that Sarah had run away from God instead of coming to God. She had run away from God instead of coming to God. And this scripture, Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30, is a scripture that so many of us use in verse commas. We give it to ourselves and to one another when we are tired and burdened. Come to me, Jesus said, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. I want to say that Sarah did not come to Jesus. How often do we not come to Jesus when our promises are not being fulfilled? How often are we tired and weary? And it's because we're carrying a burden that is not the one that God plans for us to carry. We step in to try and fix a problem between two people when it's not our job to do that. And because we do that, we carry a load and a pain and a responsibility for these two people. But God didn't call us to do that. We step in where someone is owing money and we take the surety for them. And we then carry a load because of their problems and their challenges. But God did not tell us to do that. And God does direct us, but we so often want to step in and take control ourselves. And if we do that, when we do that, 
where we skip over and we say, well, it'll look good on my CV to do an extra few courses and to keep studying further. But the load and the burden that it puts on our family wants to break our family. But was that the yoke? Was that the burden that God told you to do? Or was it you stepping in to take control of your own future and your own plans to make God's plans to prosper you happen? We step in. But God calls us to rest. And he says, my yoke is light and easy to be borne. Uh, Matthew 11, in the Passion Translation, these same verses say to me, say, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle, meek, and humble in heart, and you will find rest, relief, and ease, and refreshment, and recreation, and blessed quiet for your soul. For my yoke is wholesome. Sorry, this is the Amplified, not the Passion. For my yoke is wholesome, and my burden is light and easy to be borne. And the reality is that Jesus' yoke is meant to be easy and light as compared to the yoke and the burden that comes from other people. In the Bible, a, a commentary, the Enduring Word commentary, says that labor implies the burdens we take on ourselves. And heavy laden implies the burdens that others put on us. And quite often others put burdens on us because we take responsibility for stuff that is not ours. And, so, and this commentary also said that so often these burdens come through living in self-sufficiency. We are living in our own strength instead of in the, the burdens and the or the yokes that Jesus has got for us. And the yoke of Jesus is easy and light compared to the yoke of others. It is easy and light as long as we don't rebel against it, as long as we don't try and take matters into our own hands and try and fix problems that are not ours to fix. They are Jesus's to fix. The yoke of Jesus has nothing to do with anxieties. So he's saying walk on this path and we're walking on this path but we can see the wolves along the edge that are yapping and are and whatever. But Jesus says keep walking on this path. Don't look left or right. Don't give in to the anxiety of hearing the wolves along the path because he says I am your good shepherd. I will lead you along the path as long as you don't try and fix the wolves and step off the path, you stay on the path, these wolves will not get you. But don't give in to the anxieties that pull you off the path that Jesus has set. And that is what happened with Sarah. As believers, from this verse, uh, Matthew 11 verse 28, we should believe and realize that something is wrong if you are not experiencing rest for your soul. 
The Bible says that peace is our umpire. It tells us whether we are on the right side or the wrong side, whether we are walking with God or not with God. So if you are doing some stuff and you are not experiencing peace, you are anxiety, there is high anxiety and you don't, you're feeling overwhelmed the whole time, then maybe go back to God and ask God, was that what you were meant to be doing and following? Because peace is our umpire. We should believe that something is wrong if we do not experience rest for our soul. And Sarah was not in a place of experiencing rest for her soul. And God is wanting us to push in to his rest, to his direction, to the things that he is saying as Sarah's. And we don't need to be old and way past menopause to be a Sarah. Amu is a Sarah. Amu, when I say that, Amu is, I'm not saying that she's the solution in her pain. <laughs> what I'm saying is that Amu is a, a person who is further along in her faith, whose faith God wants to strengthen. If you can put the next, um, jump, jump the, the next slide. Um, jump. Genesis 17, so just go to back to Hebrews 11. Amu is one whose faith is an embracing of a supernatural God and whose faith is in the authority and rests in the one who made the promise and she's tapping into his faithfulness. And she is ready and is walking with Young with others who are less, in, not as far as her, they walk with God, and she is walking with them so that they can become, become an older woman of faith, an older man of faith. Do you see what I'm saying? And coming back to, uh, to, uh, to Matthew 11, verse 28, the yoke that Jesus puts on us, it was a yoke that was meant to be carried that went over the backs of two cattle. And how they trained a new, um, a new cow to pull the yoke was they put an older, experienced, mature cow next to one that was inexperienced and needing to learn. And they, they taught the younger one by having the yoke pulling with the older and the younger. And I want to say, his people, that God is calling us to walk like that, to be saying, where are the Rahabs? Are we willing to be the Sarahs that have the faith and are trusting God, that are willing to come alongside and walk together, whose faith Older generation faith and younger generation faith, not in physical years, but in faith years, walking together and saying, let us pull together to bring and establish the kingdom of God. God wants that. I want to just put up, and I 
I'm finishing with these two very briefly. The last two slides, and I'm referring back to my message in May or June in lockdown, which was about an army of lovers. And I spoke about Sarah there. And, it's, and I said, uh, I spoke and I said, an army of lovers are anchored to the rock of Jesus Christ and to the body of Christ, the church. And this is speaking to where Sarah's faith was anchored in Jesus Christ. And God is looking for us to be that. And lastly, God is looking for an army of lovers that are available. An army of, of, of those of us who are willing to conceive, to incubate, and to birth new things. And God has said to us that we're in, in this time of a season of fresh winds and new growth. But he needs us as the Sarahs to be there ready for the Rahabs who are saying, I want to join with you, Lord. I want to partner with you, God. I'm going to be anchored on Jesus. I'm going to be locked into the body of Jesus, the, the church. And we are going to build your kingdom and build the place that God has given us. Amen. Amen. Can I ask if we can stand?
to take my sin. Thank you, Jesus. I put my faith in you. Right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And I want to pray for us in the areas of our life where we have become disillusioned, we've become disheartened, and as a result, we have said that we need to take control. We need to do stuff to fix stuff in our lives, maybe in someone else's life, maybe in our children's life, maybe in our city that God did not call you to. But He is wanting to do it. But you are carrying a burden that is not yours, and that is not easy and light. And I'm actually going to invite you just to have a moment with God on your own right now. And just to bring any of those things to you. And to repent as well. And ask Him to blow into your faith. Blow fresh wind, new growth into your faith. As you let go of those burdens and those heavy loads that you have been carrying. Jesus, we give you the loads. We put down the burdens that are not from you. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would lead us to know how to step the steps that will enable us to walk into, back into the path that you have given us, to take up the yoke that you have placed upon us, that is easy and light and comfortable to be born of. And Jesus, we ask that you would speak with us again your words of comfort and assurance and love. That we would be able to, with Sarah, trust the fullness of the one who made the promise and tapping into your faithfulness today. And Lord God, we want to be available. We want to, we want to be ready and say, Lord, use us to move the Rahabs from a place of sin to a place of training up the next generation of believers who love you and serve you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 amen.